Achievement unlocked. Two players and a podcast now loading. Dreamers and Flam family, this is Two Peas in a Pod, brought to you by General Andrews and Liberty Flam. And we are sponsored by the 8-Bit Dojo and ESN, where we aim to be selfless, not selfish. Also today with us, our guest, Elbel, will be joining. This is episode 40 of season 4, A Voice for the Invisible. Flippity Flam, my man, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, General Andrews, my dude. How are you doing today? Well, we are lucky once again, so I'm feeling very thankful. I'm very thankful for our guest, Ellie, or Elbel, to be on the show today. How are you doing, Ellie? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's snowing here, which, I mean, I don't like the snow, but it is really pretty. I was going to say, like... Being in California, and we we have all the seasons, depending where you are in the state, you know, kind of thing, that, like, I find snow to be pretty, but heck no do I want to, like, exist in the snow all the time. That's exactly how I feel. It's really pretty to look at, but it can stay away. Now, Flib, you are someone who likes to live in the, ex- the extremes. You're like, give me a desert or give me the snowy give mountains. Give me the like, snowy <laughs> mountains. <laughs> I, what is your perspective on I want, I want my desert back, dude. It's too <laughs> cold. Snow is great till about day three, and then it's like, can the snow please go away i can't drive my car yeah <laughs> that's, so, <laughs> that's so good to to hear that though because since you've so intimately lived in both places for long enough now to have like those feelings of like no i know it's like to you know it's normal to have a 115 degree day like that's not a heat wave there yeah. and yet you're like no i'll still take that more often you still than go out and do snow. things because like snow shuts that shuts shit down yep. okay. like, you can't do anything wow. with the snow I it's mean, hot out and you can still go out snow days were my favorite thing at school though i will say that is the one thing about growing up around snow where you were like all of a sudden i don't have to go to school today and i get to go play outside i mean i'll take that it's so funny you say that because i remember my mother had a photo from like 1973 or 1974 and it was like the first day in like hit recorded history that it had snowed in this specific city and <laughs> it was like a half inch of snow if that maybe Ooh. you know and they, they, they shut down everything for it or whatever. And it's just so interesting to hear, like, you know, out here in California, like, if it is snowing, no, not that it sticks to the ground. If it's snowing, shut it down. Just, just shut it down. We cannot put up with this. <laughs> so listening to, like, you know, six inches, a foot, two feet of snow, it's like, what would we do That's out so here with good. all that? It totally makes sense, though, right? Like, <laughs> when a place is not used to a certain kind of weather, it's like instant panic. It's like if you're playing a video game and, like, something unexpected happens in the video game game and you've like run it 15 times and you're so used to that one thing there's like instant a moment of panic of your like <laughs> I, I um uh do i go left do i go right do i shoot mm-hmm. do i duck do i jump and by that point you know everything is pure and utter chaos in that two seconds it took you to figure out what to do i'm glad you said pure and utter chaos <laughs> because now what i want to do here is transition into the fact that obviously we're having you on here not just because you're a lovely person but you are a content creator but did your journey actually begin with something like twitch and where it's developed to now or did you actually start 
much more before that? Um, so I started my journey of performing in musical theater. So I grew up at like age six. I instantly was like, so I'm going to be on the stage. Um, everybody should pay attention to me. Hello. And I would like perform little cute, adorable things in my living room. And, and so musical theater was like a big part of performing. And I had a separate love for video games and ended up kind of going through a musical theater path. And then uh, it changed when my voice shifted to the gorgeous, lovely, raspy thing that it is now. Um, and my onstage career was no longer in that moment of attainable for me. And then and that's kind of where content creation came in, where it like reignited this complete and utter love. So content creation, maybe like my journey started a very long time ago, but in a very different format, different way, different kind of expression, I think. But I still think it was like it is creation of some kind. From now, when you were age. referencing the uh, change in your voice that, that led you to obviously have to change your aspect or way you did things from like a musical aspect, does that mean like it took away from your ability to do the singing and performing in that manner? Is because it was that was too much uh, like like a workout. It was too intense, and therefore where you were now, you couldn't do it. Yeah. So okay. um, I went to a school in California. I moved all the way from Canada to California for. A year uh, for a musical theater performance outreach program and I got really sick um, and I woke up one morning with just no voice like now I have a voice now I know how to resonate within everything and use my voice to its strongest advantage but back then I didn't and I had, everything had shifted and so like when you have to if you if you hurt yourself if you have an injury you have to go to rehab and like reteach your muscles how to work I had to do that with my voice so when I first lost my voice it was very hard to speak and I like completely lost the ability to sing do anything and it was very it was much harder to hear me at that point so yeah it was a bigger change than what it is now and then now with your obviously the, the years and years that you've been able to adapt to it and apply different uh tools and uh learned uh experiences do you feel that you can sing somewhat now or is that still affected uh from what has happened uh, to your voice. Oh, I can still sing now. I oh, like cool. maybe not to the same extent, of course, but like I definitely still sing almost every day. I think it's oh. a part of my life that will never go away. That's so cool. I was, I was all like, it was one of those moments. I'm like, oh no, is this like a sad part of the thing? You're like, oh, she's lost her ability to sing forever. Ah! But no, that's where the content creation thing, like I think comes in is it like completely gave me that ability because I'm, I have a microphone close to my face, right? So if mm -hmm, I'm having, mm -hmm. if I have to talk quieter or if I can't sing or belt to the ability that I used to for musical theater, that's okay because I get to control the volume. I get to control the sound. I get to control control how close I am to my microphone, which then makes it so all of that is still coming through. So silly random songs that come up that I somehow make up on stream mm -hmm. totally come into a place where I'm like pulling and singing. So. Oh, that's awesome. That, that's so great to hear because like, I guess the difference for a lot of individuals that might not understand because a lot of people right now you know, think that what you're performing in a performance and what you do in your stream is obviously the same thing when what you just described right there is not because of things like microphone placement or expectation mm -hmm. of your performance where you are somewhere else on the stage. And that's where you go and sing, not right up against the microphone. Exactly. Yeah. How uh, interesting. <laughs> the world of technology. Right. So darn it. cool. It is really cool. Now, when you started doing 
content creation where now what we, we 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 call content creation right that's being on twitch and streaming yes. if that's doing uh pre-recorded content what have you what led you to pick the niches that you're a part of now and were those your niches all along oh they were absolutely not my niches all along and what were um I started because my cousin was on Twitch and I found her and she was like super wildly entertaining. I had so much fun. I found her playing Cuphead on a mouse and keyboard and I'm watching her do this and I'm just having a blast. And she was like, you would be great at this. You do musical theater. You know that sort of stuff. You know that realm. Get a camera. You play video games. Make some friends. See what it does. And I started by playing Destiny 2 because that was the game that I was in love with. Still am. I play that game all the time. Um, And so I just started doing that, like playing, practicing, playing a video game and talking at the same time, which is a skill. It is something you have yes. to practice yes. because it is not easy. And I still screw it up all the time. I swear I make more mistakes in a video game streaming because I'm talking or I try to read chat than any other reason. And, uh, but yeah, so I started playing Destiny 2 and then I kind of moved into like scary games once a week because I realized people really enjoy watching somebody be scared. Yes. <laughs> so glad I, you said that like yeah. <laughs> i think we've all uh, at some point so, in our career so distressing it's so distressing right? it's distressing to me how much people enjoy it I, it's, it's like you're maniacally watching them evilly sit behind their computer laughing at you yeah while you're wearing brown pants and a diaper because you're so scared <laughs> oh man it's just like when, as soon as you said yeah you know and there was once a week doing spooky shit i'm like oh man i remember those days oh mm-hmm. if only i had the heart rate monitor on for those those streams my goodness gracious yeah yeah and then and then i found retro because of monkey island and uh i've not looked back so it was kind of a journey of discovering of like what what gameplay leads well to my personality and leads well to the kind of community i want to cultivate and the kind of gameplay i enjoy um and i still do a lot of variety and a lot of indie stuff as well which i have done basically since i built my computer and built my very first pc and realized what pc gaming was from being a console player my entire life and i realized like the lovely amazing stories that you can find in a lot of those smaller indie games where like you can see the love that's put into so many of the games which i feel i get the same from a retro game feel so for me it gives me the same sort of like it fills my bucket up my heart up in the same way so now i feel like i found my like right homes of the kinds of content and games i really like to play and create with that is awesome now i didn't find you i would love to say i knew you for years i was just (laughs) hiding in the shadows just waiting for that moment to say hello now that would be a lie so i want to first off shout out 8bitd because 8bitd totally like put us on the spot and was like what the heck is wrong with you two how do you two not know each other Correct. And she told us that we would be mortal enemies or best friends. Yeah, exactly. And and, and, she, and she was right. And we'll let you all decide at the end of this what we are. Correct. Now, with that being said, I, I resonate obviously with the content that you created from retro and indie because that's kind of where I sit with my stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But like you just said, you do have a strong passion for Destiny 2. And you've obviously changed different aspects of your stream as it's gone along. Your community has developed and blossomed also for good or for bad because i'm sure there's been some rough patches for if it's a person uh, maybe a mod that finally just out of nowhere went a wall or something you know things like that how hard 
Was it to make the decisions you've made to get you to where you are right now? I, I don't know if I'd say hard being the keyword. I think it's Ooh, okay. constantly like reinventing or relooking at things or reimagining and changing things up. And I don't know if I'd say hard being because I, I feel like every decision in some way has always been easy. Like there's some sense of ease of like, I love to do this and this is what I want to continue creating. Now, there's always that fear. And this is a big thing, I think, especially for most content creators that we maybe don't vocalize as often as we'd like to. But there is always a fear of like, what if I choose the wrong game? What if like, what if I do this and I completely fall on my face or in that fear and I would say that is more something that has made my decisions harder to make. And valid concern, by the way. We, mm -hmm. we, any of us who, you know, do this as a living and then you play X, Y, or Z game, now you throw in a C game, right? You do X, mm -hmm. Y, or Z, but now you're throwing in a C game. What the heck? And you notice sometimes it really does have a negative effect as far as the metrics. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense. It's a very valid feeling. So therefore, do you feel it's hard when you're like, but this game was so much fun. The people that were there had such a blast. What do you do with that information? Because you're you're a retro streamer, right? And you dabble into the indie, you know, yeah. but this title, you want to keep playing it or you want to you want to complete it, but you're not quite sure because maybe only half of your audience showed up. They're amazing, the half that showed up, but only half of them showed up. How do you work with that? At the end of the day, I, I, and this is me completely removing every part of my like passion side of it. My stream is a business. I have, there's sometimes you just have to be analytical and you have to make decisions like that. And then there are other times that you have to go with your heart and you have to go with your feelings. So I think for me, I think of content creation uh, as like a triangle. There's games I love and games like I want to play. There's games that do really well for growth or stability or that sort of stuff. And then there's games that my community wants to see me play. The idea is you want to sit in the middle of all three of those points of a triangle. Now, that's probably one of the hardest jobs ever as a content creator. But you have to weigh where you enjoy sitting within that business structure. And that is kind of where I think of. I I want, I, I do at the end of the day, want to continue growing, want to continue reaching new people, growing my content, um, connecting with new people because connecting with new people all over the world has like completely and utterly changed my life. And I am so grateful every day that this is what I get to do. So I do think I tend to look at it in more of that business sense of like, is this helping me grow? Or am I enjoying this? Like, is this just solely for me? Or is this eventually going to maybe help me in one way or another? And that decision at the end of the day, I think I know where my core sits and like my core values as a person and as a content creator and in my business itself. So I think, you know, you kind of you ask your gut and you just kind of end up going with that or you talk to other friends and you talk it out. So I don't know if I would say those decisions become hard. They just take some time sometimes to figure out. I like that. That answer. All right. Well, I'm going to double down on this and make it even harder on you, mortal enemy. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> you go, like I do, with a PG-13 stance for the way you run your streams. Yes. How hard is that aspect when you have 
amazing friends outside of the space and it seems like the majority do not run their streams in that manner <laughs> no. how do you ebb and flow with that because that that's another thing that you have to not let alone the games right it's also mm -hmm. the content that you're holding with inside the games and what you put yourself as a performer performer out there like what does that feel like when it's like oh man and when people overreact to a curse word you finally said a curse word for like the first time in three hours of the stream and now it's bedlam how do you deal with that i think i laugh with it i think it's like i get easily embarrassed like it is very obvious on stream when we've crossed a a lewd line or we've crossed some type of line because i literally turn bright red like i turn the color of your shirt and your hat at all times and so i start laughing because i can feel myself blushing and then the community starts laughing being like oh ellie's like the as red as a tomato so then it just kind of becomes more of a joke. It's a genuine reaction um, or I'll very much shut it down. Like it's kind of one or the other. It's like a very much, oh, giggle kind of continue with it. Or it's like, hey, you know what? This is making me uncomfortable. This is a little bit too far. I love and appreciate maybe where this is coming from. Like, let's say it's like a specific joke that comes from another community where it totally flies in that community, but it doesn't fly in mine. I'll be like, that's amazing over there. But over here, that's a boundary for me. That makes me uncomfortable. And I think it's at the end of the day, your stream is your house and you're the one that gets to set those rules. And if someone challenges you on those rules, you can ask them politely to leave or, you know, you find other, you find ways, but you're like, these are my rules and these are my rules for a reason. So it's finding that balance. I think normally I laugh with it because that's my genuine reaction of just like, yep, I swore. Oh my gosh. Oh, Ellie swore. Or... Um, this is smutty and ridiculous and I'm was, laughing for too hard. I was just about so. to say the word smut because it made me think about this entire segment that I'm asking you about right now. Smut, which has quickly become one of my favorite words. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was, and then you got clipped out of context and now uh, that was, that was quite okay, uh, hilarious. Clipping out of context, I think, is what most communities, like communities, are great at. Going, oh, this streamer said this one thing, and I can clip it and end it right here, so it sounds like they said this thing. <laughs> that is a fact. It mm -hmm. happens actually to Posty all the time on my stream. He'll <laughs> he'll say something that obviously, if if you understand his intent, you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, no big deal. But if you just took it at face value, you're like, wait, what did you just say? <laughs> Excuse me? Pardon me? <laughs> Uh, so that, it was just too good because again both of us work within this pg-13 kind of realm when it mm -hmm. seems like well why are you like that you're not being your authentic self and i i think that's very um exhaustive of individuals to uh take the time to put a narrative out there like that that they're worried that people aren't being their authentic selves when they are trying to provide entertainment yeah because as any entertainer has told people when they're being an entertainer there are times where they get to be authentic and there's so many other times where they know they have to put on a performance and for people to pretend like being a streamer and then trying to make it a business has no correlation with being performative that's absolutely ludicrous yeah I, there's and there's a balance right like because mm -hmm. there's there's always a balance of like you want to be your genuine self and like my genuine self i get ner like i get nervous and uncomfortable around super overly overtly sexual things whether they're jokes innuendos or anything like that mm -hmm. 
So for me, that's an easy boundary. But for some others that might not be, and that would be them not being their authentic self, because maybe like that stuff doesn't get to them in that way. It doesn't bother them the same way. We have we we have to create the content that we want to see and that we want to watch. And that's where I kind of sit back where it's like, I love my friends that are lewd. One of my best friends is, I love her dearly. D, I love you very yeah. dearly. But say her, please say her name. She's been on this before. <laughs> she knows what she, she do. <laughs> on stream, when people are watching me, I couldn't do that. Where if I'm joking with somebody I'm very comfortable with, I can joke about those things. And I think that that's, that's that viewing it as a performance where it's like, what am I comfortable with in a public setting? That's cool. That's a really good thing. Cause like for me, we have fun with it is that, uh, and actually it comes from a, uh, friend I used to have on the stream that eventually was saying stuff that was like, I know him, but if you're, again, you're taking stuff at face value, it just sounds terrible. Uh, yeah. and so therefore I created a command called exclamation point disclaimer which states that anyone who's on the stream does not share the same values or you know th that line of explaining mm -hmm. they're different they are not me or the dream stream and we do not take you know any precedence of what they say that's on them and uh so like with with posty all the time now even though he just says something like i didn't even say that what do you do exclamation point disclaimer folks just so you know posty <laughs> is not who i am and you know and so we have fun with that right even though it first started out as like an intentional thing and then mm -hmm. now it's just you know it's it's for fun and gangs but and also like that's what makes us individuals as humans right like our different levels of comfort or different viewpoints on that sort of stuff and like that's what can make interesting content is like being able to have that conversation or make that a part of your content where you're like disclaimer we are two totally different people surprise surprise absolutely so for those that don't know or maybe again are just learning about you for the first time well let's go ahead and surprise surprise individuals and let's transition this conversation from the awesomeness of your content creation career because this is still going to be obviously involving it but you are someone who's an advocate we like to have advocates on our podcast as our guests so in this instance though you are an advocate for invisible illnesses is that correct yes okay just making sure i'm getting that uh accurate now what is it like trying to describe that though because obviously not everyone has the same open-mindedness to the idea that there are invisible illnesses mm -hmm. so what is it like trying to bridge that gap because you don't know if that person's going to be open and receptive to under learning new information how does that go i think it's about trying to share information in bite-sized pieces so i like to think about it as like making it as tangible to somebody as possible and i really like using spoon theory to describe that because it does it it kind of gives a tangible physical idea to something that might be harder to describe um and then it makes it easier to branch into other conversations of of sharing what parts of journeys for different people might be or for myself I speak a lot for myself and what I go through, but I have so many friends who have invisible illnesses, invisible disabilities, and sharing their stories as well can help uh, to continue to educate and maybe make it a little bit more tangible or understanding 
in a different viewpoint as well when you're not always speaking about yourself. If you don't mind, would you explain Spoon Theory to the audience? Absolutely. So uh, Spoon Theory started, I think, early 2000s, I think is when the story first kind of came up. And it was a young girl sitting at the table with her best friend and she uh, has lupus. And lupus is an autoimmune disorder that ends up attacking, pretty much it can attack anything in the body in every case. Case of lupus is completely different, but you can't see what happens to the body on the outside. It's not like you can see somebody with a broken arm or a broken foot or anything like that. And so the two friends are sitting down at the table and they're sitting in a restaurant and the one friend's like asking what it's like to live with lupus. And so the one friend kind of looks around and she goes and she collects all of these spoons at the tables and sits down and puts the spoons in front of the friend and goes, okay, explain or go through your day. And the friend kind of is like looking at her being like, oh, okay. okay." So she goes, well, I get up, I get out of, I get my breakfast and I go to work. Slow down. What do you do? You get out of bed? And she took a spoon away from her collection. Do you take a shower? Do you? Yeah, I. you take a shower. That's maybe one spoon. You had breakfast. That's another spoon. Did you clean up after breakfast? That's another spoon. And she kind of goes through her day. And by lunchtime, she's sitting there with no spoons in her hand. And she explains that when you live with an invisible illness, you have to think about every decision, every choice that you make in your life, because that one thing might be the thing that takes your energy away from the day. If you use all of your spoons by lunchtime, how do you get home from work? How do you cook yourself dinner? How do you get ready for your next day? And you only have so many spoons and you can take spoons from the next day, but you're going to get to a point that you have no spoons left in your next day or the next day. And you're going to burn yourself out and get to a place that you cannot physically do anything on a daily basis if you take too much from the other days. So it's about thinking logically about what you can handle and how much resource personally you have like gas in a tank of a car absolutely amazing thank you so much for breaking that down because obviously being that i watch your content and other individuals many of your friends uh, that also are advocates as well they do a good job of explaining this but just for those out there that haven't heard it before wanted to know what that meant you mm-hmm. did a great job and i appreciate you uh, breaking it down so well well thank you thank you for giving me a platform to be able to talk about it absolutely now obviously you can I've tried again. I was trying to make sure some of these questions were correlated to what you're trying to get across out there when you are advocating for other individuals. Mm-hmm. Here's something I think that's also important, and I, I'm so thankful that you're patient with me and trying to under, understand and figure <laughs> it out. Is that you don't have a concrete diagnosis for what you are currently dealing with, right? No, and so, how do you? I feel that's because again, you and I, for as much as I've known you now, even we were having like I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? How do you deal? with that and trying to explain that aspect so invisible illness is one thing and then you have to deal with uh, the addition of trying to explain well i don't really have a name for this Uh, how how do you work with that oh it's hard (laughs) you're asking me that question on a day that is a very hard low spoon day for me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some days are easier than others to kind of like go through and explain it and think about it it's so i have had physical issues or physical symptoms for over 20 years of my life And there's been a lot of guesses. I've seen countless doctors. I've kind of gone through a journey of everybody kind of throws spaghetti at the wall and sees what sticks. And nothing has stuck because everyone goes, oh, well, that symptom got worse. So that actually cancels out that previous diagnosis. A lot of it for me and my journey has been guessing. And I think that that sense of not having a name or a face to what 
I'm going through makes it really hard, but then it also makes it so that I want to share my journey even more. It it kind of it pushes me to be like, no, I'm struggling so much some days and I don't know what's going on. And I cannot be the only person in the world that feels this way. I cannot be the only person who sits there and questions something or doesn't understand something within their body and how their body's reacting. Because I am starting to have so I'm a very big advocate for invisible illness, invisible disability. But I am very much getting to a place, and this has kind of changed in the last year and a half, where my disability is becoming very visible. Uh, I walk Mm. with a cane. I have two braces uh, for both of my feet for foot drop. And I just got back from Europe, and I'm contemplating, is it time to get a wheelchair? And so that makes it very, very obvious. (laughs) It's a very kind of different place to look in your brain of like nope okay now everybody can see what I go through but it's it's hard to describe but I think sharing what I go through even if it's talking about little details makes it makes it easier because I'm sharing it and I don't I'm not holding it in and there are other people in the world who are struggling and we're none of us are struggling alone. Well, that, you, you already started to answer my next question was basically, you know, has sharing your experiences helped you, let alone the hundreds and hundreds of people that you impact on a daily basis uh, with your content? Uh, so it sounds like it has uh, helped you being able to share these experiences. Is that correct? Yeah. Twitch has changed my life and it's changed my life because it's completely made me feel like I'm not alone. I have a hobby that I love. And then I realized, oh, I was listening to a podcast actually, and it was uh, interviewing Michelle Obama. And she said, if you have a platform to share what's important to you, why wouldn't you do it? Ooh. Well, why right? wouldn't you? And that was in that moment, I went, well, heck. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, it was right before COVID. It was like, I, I listened to that maybe six weeks before everything shut down. And I went, COVID hit. And I went, well, okay, I know what I'm doing. Like, it was, why am I not talking about this? Why am I not sharing this? Why am I not making content creation my full-time adventure and energy? So uh, it has changed my life. And being able to share and help others changes my life because it helps. I Knowing I'm helping other people, at the end of the day, I think that's all I've ever wanted in my life. Like, I love performing. I love musical theater. But it's... At the end of the day, I've always just wanted to help others and make their day not as hard and make it so that they know that they're not alone because I've felt alone in my life and I don't want anybody else to have to feel that ever. So that's profound in all honesty, you know, to, to let alone is it helping you, right? That by you help in a way you helping others is helping yourself that is again circling right back around and helping others once again like it's like this really nice uh beautiful cyclical thing that is going on here Mm-hmm. But with that being said, and again, we starting with the where you be, began with your performative career into content creation and to where you are now, uh, again, with things changing, right? Like you said, you know, the consideration of a wheelchair to be like, okay, in a lot of these situations, I think this is actually going to be the better of choices for me to get around and feel like, hey, I can still enjoy the experience, not, oh, hey, let me go ahead and do the experience hate myself because my body is being mad at me for doing it versus okay if i just do it this way 
I can go ahead and enjoy. Would you have done anything differently from then till now because you have hindsight? Oh. Is there anything there that you're like, you know what? I would have been less harsh on myself here, or I would have been more supportive of myself here, or shoot, I shouldn't have had that last, you know, piece of chocolate cake on that one time because I really just <laughs> messed up my tummy and I just did not want to go and do anything. So, you know, whatever it is, what, is there anything? Because some people, like a lot of people are like, no nothing and i'm like i'm glad that you have that resolve to keep moving forward that's awesome but it just feels that people aren't being 100 honest with themselves when they feel like there is absolutely nothing but is that oh, the case for you i there are absolutely things i would change and do differently there still are that's a constant thing i think in my brain but i also then sit back and go how many spoons do i have so like i would love to be making daily tiktok videos and like doing things on other platforms in a very different content creation way but i'm like okay do i have have the energy for that. So back before when I had more energy, yeah, I would have 100% started it then because then I would have imagined like you're building habits into that time. But again, like two and a half, three years ago, TikTok wasn't a thing. So or not to what it is now. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was how musically. It was. Like it was yeah. the intention was music oriented, like if lip, lip syncing or dancing, like that was really like the shtick. Mm -hmm. Also, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? There are always things that we would go back and change and self-improve on. But all we can do is look forward. All we can do is take the information that we have learned and take our steps forward and make those changes now. And I think that's all part of the journey is learning. Again, everybody's journey is different. I'm glad that you said what you just said, because I think that is something that is constantly overlooked with this feeling of because like again there's like okay we got to make sure that we are emotionally strong and stable and we can do x y and z thing because we are representative of something so let's say for example you being an advocate for those with is visible illnesses and uh disabilities or mm -hmm. let's say myself someone who is a fitness advocate uh trying to help people understand that you can do this all naturally it will take time and i can help you cut through the fluff of all these you know superlatives that are really just hype words mm -hmm. it's like okay you, you're not looking for this free flow state that that's from an anime that has nothing to do with real life like <laughs> let me tell you how to get to where you're trying to go without the stuff that's not real okay cool cool uh getting back on track with what i'm about to ask you or really just take from what you have said is that you said it is good to go ahead and look at your past experiences not in the sense that yeah, I would do something differently, but you learned why would you do something differently? Mm -hmm. And the then why. with that why, let's go to the future with that information and a new game plan. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important instead of saying, no, I wouldn't change anything. And I think there are some people in life that have had it that way, right? Yeah. They would change absolutely nothing. I just feel it's also not indicative of their long-term self-growth if they're not able to go down the hard questions and ask themselves, you know, would I have done this differently? Would I have not, you know, put socks on with sandals, you know, because <laughs> honestly, the, the guff I got that day was not worth the comfortability of the socks, you know, like, or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. But, you know, and so that was, I thought that was really cool that you had uh, the way you explained that. I think that's really important uh, because I feel that people can learn a lot from their past. I talk about people say history is like the most annoying lame class that you could take in school and i think history is actually one of the most important classes you could take in school because you need to learn from everyone else's past mistakes if you don't have to go through them yourself yes you but know i think the key factor of that is learning yourself 
Ooh. Because somebody can say to you, hey, don't make this mistake. Like, don't touch that iron. It's hot. But as a kid, you might be like, but it looks so cool. I'm going to touch it. And then you're going to touch it and you're going to learn. But you're potentially learning from somebody else's mistake. But sometimes you have to make those mistakes yourself. Now, like in history sense, there are some very far extremes that I... Mm, of course. <laughs> but like, I think that, yeah, sometimes you do just have to learn from your own steps forward or potentially they might be things that are setbacks but you're learning from that and the more knowledge you have whether you're learning from a success or a failure you're still coming out on top because you're still learning at the end of the day that's awesome now is there anything you feel that you that we should know about when we started discussing right here that I didn't quite ask a question appropriately to address it? Is there anything that I missed that would be important, kind of like a soapboxy moment, if, if you would like uh, to take here, that could also be addressed for those that are uh, wanting to know more about invisible illnesses and diseases and things of that nature? Um, asking questions and listening to somebody, I think if you're wanting to learn a lot, if you're wanting to learn what somebody is going through, leaving them space to talk is a very important thing. But also, like, don't tell somebody what to do. The amount of, and this might, I'm not meaning this in a negative way, but the amount of unsolicited advice that I have received in my life from my own family, from my friends, from like as simple as, oh, well, I see you're struggling with that one thing. Have you thought about doing it differently? I need to be able to struggle that way <laughs> have you thought about that <laughs> see if we're mortal enemies this is uh this, this is no um uh you you gotta learn from your own mistakes and yeah i think that that's i think that that does tie back into what you were saying but um but also sometimes on the other side of this, now, if you approach somebody and like, let's say you approach me and you want to learn about my illness and I get to a point that I'm like, I don't want to keep answering your questions. It's time for you to do your own research and Ooh. taking that into your own hands. It's like there are a lot of it's like learning about a social issue. Sometimes it's not important or it's not right. No, it's not that it's not important. It's not right to go to that person and be like, explain to me why this is wrong, that maybe you should do your own research and be like, hey, are you comfortable talking about this? I was doing some research and found this statement. I don't know if I agree with it. Do you want to talk about it? Do you know anything about it? Um, taking that knowledge into your own hands. And, you know, other people are there always to help and guide. Um, and of course, being an advocate myself, like I will always talk about things that is that is why i'm here i'm happy to share my story but my sherry is my story is not everybody else's story and not everybody else might be as comfortable with sharing their story so sometimes that's where your own research your own information uh becomes very important to furthering knowledge that's such a good point because for example uh being twitch streamers we, we deal with this on the daily when there's some new new trending topic to talk about i don't know, like let's say when the uh, will smith uh, oscars incident happened you know yes. and people pop it in chat so what do you think about this it's like folks first off you know i don't talk about those things on here typically and first off who are you your first time chatter i am not <laughs> answering your question about that yeah <laughs> Well, it's the ins and on Twitch we see those baiting questions, right? Yeah, like, yeah, correct. You, that's that's part of it. It's that's I think part of navigating navigating being a streamer and knowing <laughs> where you stand on how you want to talk about those. Like you know, you don't want to talk about those. I don't want to talk about them until I've had time to do my own research. Fair. Like I fair. I want to have time to formulate my thoughts 
to think about what's important to me to do my own research because someone coming in with one article on one topic, that's only like a fraction of what the, the whole story could be. And then you're being led to make assumptions and that is that is the very far opposite of my I like to get as much information as possible before I make a decision. Great way of putting that. Now, what I want to transition into is how can people find you? I want I want to take this entire moment. How, like you were saying, you know, you want to be on these different platforms, but really where is the best place to find you and what what, what can people expect when they're coming by your stream? Not just the retro aspect, not just being an advocate aspect, but any of that kind of information. Go ahead and take the floor, Ellie. Okay. Uh, you can find me on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch, all with L Bell. So it's three L L E B E L L E. Again, working on growing on other platforms. There might not be content there, uh, but it is the plan. And just as long as spoons are, um, the spoons are there. I, uh, if you come by my stream, which is the best way to find me, um. I stream four days a week, uh, Saturday, Sunday, always for sure. And then depending if I'm at a tabletop RPG or uh, something else, uh, I'm normally live at least on Wednesday. And then the other day kind of flips around. Uh, I post that schedule on social media or try to. So that's always the best way to find out. Um, but clicking the follow button on Twitch and the notification bell, great way to uh, see when I go live. And what you'll see is... A lot of giggles, a lot of laughs, not much gameplay. I'm a very slow gamer. I normally take double the amount of time. So I am the opposite of what Jen is. Uh, where Jen does speed running, I do slow running and will double the gameplay of any game that I'm playing. But a very wa welcoming, warm community uh, that has a lot of inside jokes and happy to share the inside jokes. And don't always believe Twitch chat is all I have to say. Now, one thing I want them to believe is, do you have any upcoming events that you would like to talk about before we wrap this up? I am working on a D&D &D one shot with my lovely friends in regards to Yoshi's and Mario based story uh, as a reward for all of the money that we raised for Game on Tent Lupus, which is um, a charity fundraiser I do every May uh, and. I help coordinate it with APID and Coco Confession. And um, yeah, so we're already working on that event. But uh, this is a reward for all of the incredible money that we raised this last year um, for the uh, for this stuff. And that is going to be on December 17th um, at 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live on my Twitch channel. Perfect. That was what I was just about to ask. I'm like, but where is it at? <laughs> on my Twitch channel. Okay. Okay, Twitch.tv cool. slash 3LaBelle or Albell, however you would Perfect. like to say it. I'm so I'm so glad you made sure to get across that it's a three, even though it looks super fancy. Some people are like, I'm trying to find L and I can't find her anywhere. What the heck's <laughs> going on here? So I'm glad you explained that to the audience. That was perfect. Elite spelling. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> With that being said, thank you so much for tuning into our final episode of this season, Dreamers. Family, we'll see you next year. And I love you as always. Bye. -bye. Bye.